0: Hello and welcome to Crossroads of Rockland History on WRCR.com. I'm Claire Sheridan from the Historical Society of Rockland County. Today we'll learn about the new exhibition at the Orangetown Historical Museum and Archives entitled Shank's Legacy from the museum's curator Elizabeth Scrobinia and the museum director and Orangetown historian Mary Cardenas. The Historical Society of Rockland County is a nonprofit educational institution and principal repository for documents and artifacts relating to Rockland County. Our headquarters are a 4-acre site featuring a history museum and the 1832 Jacob Lovell House. We're located at 20 Zucker Road in New City and we're listed on the National Register of Historic Places. We're also a designated New York State Path Through History site. Part of our broad and challenging mission is to share the history of Rockland with the public. And as a private nonprofit institution, not a county or state agency, the Historical Society of Rockland County depends on charitable contributions to fulfill its educational and preservation missions. We hope you will consider making a financial contribution, and you can do that safely online by visiting our website at rocklandhistory.org. Click the Donate button at the top of the landing page we'd love to count our radio listeners as financial supporters of the Historical Society of Rockland County. And now I'd like to welcome back to the program my guests, Mary Cardenas and Elizabeth Skrabena. Thank you so much for being here and coming to the radio show. Thank you. Thanks for
1: having us, Claire.
0: Before we begin speaking about the exhibition, let's take a moment to remind our listeners about yourselves, Elizabeth.
2: Well, I've been a curator at the Orange Town Museum for eleven years now. Looking back at the exhibits that we've done. This one really stands out. My background is in fine arts and art history. I've been a curator and a manager of collections. I've worked at Parsons School of Design. I was an adjunct professor of art and art history at a few local colleges in New Jersey. Um, I think everything has joined together to help me on the path on that now.
1: Great. And Mary? Mary? Well, I've been Orangetown historian for almost 25 years. I have two buildings that I am in charge of, the uh, Michael Salyer House and the Isaac DePew House, and it's taken a while to develop both buildings into very specific ventures. One building we use for educational purposes, and the other one we have changing exhibits. Uh, We welcome everybody in. Our hours for this uh, exhibit of Shank's Legacy is Uh, Tuesdays and Fridays from 10 to 2 and on Sundays from 1 to 4. We hope to see you.
0: So Camp Shanks was the U.S. Army's largest port of embarkation in the East Coast in World War II with 1.3 million troops passing through on their way to England and North Africa. Then the area transitioned to Shanks Village. And both of these transformed Orangetown, didn't they? Yes. yes, they did.
2: Camp Shanks was not only a tremendously important station for soldiers during World War II, but it also provided thousands of civilians with jobs. Its location was chosen because of it being a coastal community with excellent rail access. It was basically an agrarian community, and it was mobilized to serve the camp in many ways. Its transition to veteran student housing at the end of the war mirrored this mid-20th century American aspirational dream. Camp Shanks and its legacy really basically put Orangetown on the map and it changed life here forever.
0: So tell us what part of Orangetown
2: we're talking about. Uh, Mary knows this better. Okay,
1: well when Camp Shanks came in it started along Western Highway from Tappan and we went north into Blauveld as far north as Erie Street. So that's roughly about two and a half miles. And the camp was on the west side of really Western Highway. It's ideally situated because it was on two rail lines. As Elizabeth explained, it was on the Erie as well as the West Shore. But it also had access to the Hudson River, which was important so that you can um, mobilize your men, get them down to the river and transport them into New York City, into um, ocean-going liners, bringing them to Europe and to North Africa. Why was it called Camp Shanks, Elizabeth?
2: Well, Major General David Carey Shanks, he was born in 1861 and died in 1940. He was the commanding general of the New York Port of Embarkation during World War I, which, believe it or not, was a greater effort. Between 1917 and 1918, he commanded operations that facilitated the deployment of over 2 million American troops to France and their return. These were mostly from the piers in uh, New York City and Hoboken, New Jersey.
0: Expand a little bit on what drew the military to select
2: Orangetown. Well, you know, it was perfectly suitable. Upon arrival from from points throughout the country by rail, troops were marched to their assigned areas. Staging would take between one to two days, during which time various procedures were outlined. Paperwork was filed. They were finished with their paperwork. So they could attend a local USO club, such as the ones in Teppan or Nyack. They could receive a pass to go into New York City, or they could go to some entertainment at the camp. World famous movie stars and entertainers, they performed for the troops here. Betty Grable, Ethel Merman, Frank Sinatra, Judy Garland, they were all at Camp Shanks, as well as major major league sports figures, classical musicians. It was accessible and everyone wanted to do their part. Everyone wanted to help. There was even a GI musical called About Face, written by then private Frank Lesser. He's the guy who went on to write Guys and Dolls and How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying When word came of their deployment, troops were marched to the pier by cover of night. And when the camp was being designed, the property wasn't vacant, was it? No, it wasn't, not at all. Under the War Powers Act, the Army seized 1,365 acres of land owned by local residents with another 675 acres of state-owned property and the use of buildings at the then Rockland State Hospital were used.
0: But what happened to those displaced families? They were told that they had
2: two weeks to move out and find other housing. The owners were given, of course, first choice to buy back the property after the war. And then the camp
0: was built very quickly, wasn't it?
2: it was. It was really built at a remarkable pace. It took only eight months to build Camp Shanks at at a cost of around $45 million. Construction went on around the clock during one of the most brutal winters on record. It transformed a vast area of farmland and residential space into a state-of-the-art military camp. And remember, they had to put in sewers, uh, water supply, ferry strip, roads, and housing for over 50,000 people.
0: What were some of the most transformative parts of the camp to the town? And how were these displayed in your exhibition?
2: Well, when you consider the immense size of the camp, The residents of Orangetown really felt that they had been chosen to be Last Stop USA. Volunteer efforts in the area were really intense with local residents serving as drivers, telephone operators, USO hostesses or seamstresses. They rationed their usable goods, they bought war bonds. This legacy of compassion had an impact on our area. On its busiest day, nearly 30,000 GIs were processed and sent out.
0: And, you know, not all of them came back home. When you think about 1.3 million troops, it's sort of mind-boggling. And can you speak a little bit about the time frame and what an average week was like, for example, at Camp Shanks?
2: Well, besides the formal preparations, this paperwork that I mentioned previously, once that was finished leave to visit New York City was a big attraction. We have on display at the museum some of the bus schedules from the time period that say, Camp Shanks to New York City. And of course, these celebrity visits, USO shows, boxing matches, there was a swimming pool, a bowling alley, outdoor recreational fields. There were chaplains of all faiths that would minister to the troops. They were facing tremendous challenges. Trains were coming and going around the clock in the area. There was a lot of movement. And remember, the troops were not only embarking, they were also debarking and keeping the vast machine that was Camp Shanks running smoothly. It must have been a sight to behold. And this is before the internet, and you know, when you think about that also, you couldn't pull out your cell phone,
0: you couldn't coordinate or text someone. Exactly. The Camp Shanks Museum, which is located behind the Orangeburg Library, is open for visitors during the summer on Saturdays. Are they being included in some way and are they extending their hours at all through the exhibition? The Campshanks Museum served as an inspiration for us as we
2: planned the, this exhibit. Mary and I visited them, we um, consulted, and they, they really mentored us during this exhibit. Our exhibit is different it's slightly different and I like that about it. I think the Camp Shanks Museum really is this more immersive experience that you visit that museum and you will see the barracks and you'll you'll see some more of the um, really first-person objects and where our story is a little bit more I think directed towards the home front story and again this um,
0: post-Camp Shanks legacy. I recommend visiting the uh, Shanks Museum um, and we certainly owe a debt of gratitude to Joe Holland, former New York Senator, yes. who was responsible for uh, the fundraising and, the, and the, uh, the funding that went into putting that museum together. It really is, um, as you said, an immersive experience. So what a great um, sort of combined day out is visiting your exhibition yeah. and then visiting Camp Shanks. So certainly worth visiting both. Not only were troops housed at Camp Shanks, but there were others housed there. Tell us about that.
2: Well, Shanks employed about 400 officers, a dozen warrant officers, 60 nurses, about 5,000 enlisted men, as well as around 1,500 civilian employees. Of course, many of those were billeted in houses in the local area. The women's Army Corps at Shanks numbered over 400 women that occupied about a hundred jobs at the camp. They had their own barracks and many of them did go on to serve in
0: England. You're listening to WRCR.com and Crossroads of Rockland History. I'm Claire Sheridan and we're learning all about the new exhibition at the Orangetown Historical Museum and Archives entitled Shanks Legacy and we're speaking to the museum's curator Elizabeth Skrabenja and the museum director and Orangetown historian Mary Cardenas. The exhibition opened this past Saturday, April 13th, and will continue through November. After the war, the area was transformed into Shank's village. What was that like? Well, to me,
2: this is the the really unique component of our whole story. Immediately after the war, General Eisenhower became the president of Columbia University. So he saw firsthand the need of veteran students for housing. The GI Bill was providing expansive educational opportunities, but these vets needed a place to live. So, the barracks of Camp Shanks were transformed into over 1,100 pretty skimpy apartment units for vets that were attending columbia nyu hunter college other metro area colleges and they really needed low-cost housing so the barracks you know of course it was a challenging place to live but the price was right at about forty dollars a month families were started at shanks village over 1700 babies were born there And, you know, despite the hardships, many Shanks villagers fell in love with Orangetown and they settled in our
0: area. Was the entire acreage used for Shanks Village or did other things come in after?
2: Well, whatever barracks were considered usable, were used. And that's basically what we know. By the mid-1950s, Shanks Village ceased to exist kind of like Brigadoon. It disappeared. The land was sold off to local developers and Camp Shanks and Shanks Village really
0: came to exist only as a memory. There are fewer and fewer uh, World War II veterans remaining at this point. Were you able to speak to any of the World War II veterans in preparation for the exhibition? We
2: actually were, and we didn't get very much information from them. They were all quite humble. I was a guy that did a job. I volunteered uh, not very no, not much, right but they really no, we were we those that came to the opening. You could see they were they were recognizing themselves. What was almost more interesting were these, you know, relatives or descendants of military officers. We actually, when we were doing the installation, we had a young man who was an installer that was installing the vinyl panels that I have up on the wall. And he was installing the panels and he was looking and he said, you know, my grandfather, he served. My grandfather, he went through Camp Shanks. And I never asked him anything. And he died yesterday. This (laughs) has actually happened. And Mary and I, we were kind of stunned and he kept looking at the panels and said, well, maybe Grandpa's in there. So, I mean, that we are able to open up a conversation for that
0: generation and this generation. That's that's kind of that's a, that's fun. incredible. Yeah. So how do you portray Shanks Village in the exhibition?
2: Well, we have a room that is basically dedicated to the legacy of Shanks. We have a written kind of a lighthearted memorial to the villagers with a few of the printed guidebooks and cartoon books that were done by Stan Wyatt. But in this room, we're also calling attention to the changes that occurred in Orangetown in the 1950s as a result of this expansion, so namely the Tappan Zee Bridge, the Palisades Interstate Parkway, uh, local industries. We also have a tribute to pop culture during the time Um, We're exhibiting a few priceless original black-and-white photographs that were shot by Time magazine from a time when they came to Shanks Village to write a major story about this, which was considered a
0: unique social experiment. Yeah, interesting. Mary, what is your favorite thing in the exhibition that illustrates Camp Shanks?
1: I kind of think the way the uh, soldiers were entertained, all, all the entertainers that came up, It was a terrible time for this young generation because a lot of them that went overseas, some of them didn't come back. So what do you do? You kind of offer them entertainment. Hopefully they will return in one piece, so to speak. I was impressed with the number of entertainers that gave of their time and energy that came up not just once but several times. People like Frank Sinatra, Duke Ellington, Pearl Bailey, Uh, Just It it was just Judy Garland, just so impressive. Uh, Joe Lewis had some fights, uh, exhibition fights that came up. So I was impressed with all those entertainers that came up. Afterward, uh, when it evolved into Shanks Village, I was impressed with the community spirit that went on over there. We have one lady on our volunteer staff who went through Shanks Village and raised four kids in uh, Shanks Village. And she said it was such a a, a community, no place in the world would have had this kind of spirit to it. They had plays, they entertained one another, they babysat one another, they had a nursery, they developed uh, libraries. It was an amazing period of energy. And, And you look at the whole Shanks experience, this, this country was coming together. It was pulling itself out of a uh, depression, and you see the energy evolving. Even the music had wonderful energy to it. You had jitterbug. It, it was just so, uh, oh, just a wonderful time. Then after Shang's Village, <laughs> There's your legacy. What was left? Come by and see us. <laughs> That's great. How about you, Elizabeth? What are your favorite things in the exhibition? Well, I think for the Camp
2: Shanks period, we have a letter that was written by Vanderbilt to his mother, December 26th, 1944, from Germany. And this is the day of the Battle of Bastogne. This letter made it out and got to his mom this gentleman went on to work at Letterly Labs for 30 years. It's kind of a remarkable thing to hold in your hand. I think for Shanks Village, it would be that photograph of Eisenhower in 1948, standing on a wooden platform, talking to the Shanks villagers. And you know what he called it? He said, this is the best damn place to live in the world. And yeah. there was a feeling of new optimism from that. And that transition is something that we wanted to show even with the you know with the color
0: palette and just how the exhibit changes from this room until the next yeah it really is a beautiful exhibition i mean in addition to having a tremendous amount of information and and incredible use of the space which you all do so well at the at the museum it's got a great as you said energy to it it's and a great humanity as well you know it's it's a wonderful exhibition It's
2: it's a human story yeah. And we didn't want it to come off in a cold manner or be a collection of military artifacts. I mean, we actually also, all of the items that we have, we traced the individuals that owned them, that wore the jackets, that had the musette bags, and we wrote a little bit of their story. So their story is our
0: story. Right. It's a, It's a great human story throughout. Mm-hmm. So you'll be having some auxiliary programming yes. during the exhibition, so tell us a little bit about what that's going to be. Yes, we have some
2: great programs coming up this um, Friday, April 26th, Wine and Cheese and Poetry and Camp Shanks, and there will be Music of the Period. Okay. Our poet laureate, uh, Rosemary Razziopi will be reading some poems of her own and some other poems from the period. That's going to be a lot of fun, um, six to 7.30, this, this program. Yeah. And on Saturday, May 18th at 7.30 at the Man's Barn, You can't miss this, Swingin' at Shanks with Big Band Sound. We're having the Reflections Jazz and Swing Orchestra. And what I love about this program is it's a collaborative effort, together with the Orangeburg Library, the Tapan, and the Palisades Libraries. And this is just donations accepted at the door. We really just want the community to come and enjoy the music of the 40s in a space that was a USO. It's going to be really extraordinary our flea market's spring fling oh. is going to be on June 1st on the grounds of the depew House please come by the museum will
1: be open free of charge and Mary is going to be doing a, a lecture at the Tappan Library <laughs> at the Tappan Library on May 26th and I'll be talking about Camp Shanks there'll be a powerpoint presentation and I'll I'll be updating it and just showing what happened after Shank's Village. That's great. Yeah, and uh, I know
0: we at the Historical Society will be putting together a couple of meetups. We do these meetups with okay. history enthusiasts and okay. and bring you know meet down at the museum together and then. Yeah get a coffee or a lunch afterwards. So we'll be announcing those shortly because we want as many people as possible to see this great exhibition. It's wonderful. We talked a little bit um, when I was visiting the museum over the weekend about this the story of the stowaway, which is an interesting story that there there was a young Polish boy mm-hmm. that was uh, his, whose parents were killed and so he was orphaned that troops returning from from the war adopted or you know took a liking to and put him in a duffel bag and brought him back to the United States on on the boat is that really true is that that's a a legend that we've heard tell us a little bit about the truth to that story
2: it's a true story he was referred to as the mascot of the American troops A little boy who was an orphan. The interesting part of the story is we were trying to follow up with his family and we did reach out to his granddaughter and the granddaughter said yes there is a scrapbook that exists but our family does not want to dig into the past on this topic. This is what grandfather wanted. He became an American and he closed the door behind him. I think part of the stories we read that he saw his mother or his father being killed, he lost his siblings, and it's a story that we hear with a lot of veterans. They don't want to go back. They don't want to revisit it. But um, there was a lot of press when he first came to the States. He was splashed all over. He was kept at Camp Shanks for a while. I believe the Dominican orphanage had him billeted overnight there for a time period. There are a lot of personal stories around shanks, there are romances, there are marriages, there are betrayals, there are, um, it was a, a kind of a, kind of a magical place. We have been talking a lot about the entertainment, but please remember what was waiting for these men and women that were going overseas and the atmosphere in the town, w- Orangetown. Town, uh, a sleepy rural community really felt chosen we are the last place that these guys are going to have a have a night in america before they go overseas and who knows what will happen to them there were a lot of components that were mixing that were mixing around during that time period so we wanted to show Parts of all of
0: that. Yeah, it's And important. just to stir up the story. Absolutely. Take it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So. That's great. Mm-hmm. So that's all the time we have for today. Thank you, Mary Cardenas, and thank you, Elizabeth Skrabania, for being a part of Crossroads of Rockland History today. Thanks for thank having you, us, you, Claire. Claire, for keeping history alive. Yes. Shank's Legacy will be open Tuesdays and Fridays from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., and Sundays from 1 p.m. to 4 p.m., One note, the exhibition will not be open on Easter Sunday, but all Sundays afterward. Please remember that everything we talked about including all these auxiliary programs, uh, as well as a recording of this broadcast will be available on our website, rocklandhistory.org. We hope you will tune in to the next episode of Crossroads of Rockland History on Monday, May 20th, right after the Steve and Jeff Morning Show, when we'll be discussing the current exhibition at the Historical Society entitled Influencers, Art and History on South Mountain Road. We have exciting upcoming events, exhibitions, and programs at the Historical Society. Again, our exhibition, co-presented with Rockland Center for the Arts, is entitled Influencers, Art and History on South Mountain Road, and that will open this Thursday and will run through October 27th. Our annual County Executive's Historic Preservation Merit Awards will take place on May 19th. You can visit our website at rocklandhistory.org to learn about these and other upcoming events, trips, tours, and programs. We also have a calendar there that lists all the upcoming events that involve history throughout Rockland County. You can follow us on Facebook where we have a growing group of friends and fans. You can also find us tweeting on Twitter, blogging on Tumblr, and posting on Instagram. And please do come visit us in New City. Thanks for listening to Crossroads of Rockland History on wrcr.com.